Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Single Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Candace Rosenberg. You can follow our community on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at the Single Parenting Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on our show and or have topics you would like to hear, contact us via email at thesingleparentingpodcast at gmail.com. We have a very special guest in the studio today. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Single Parenting Podcast, and I'm your host, Candace Rosenberg. Today, I have a very special guest in the studio who we will introduce as Narcissist Survivor. She wishes to remain anonymous, but let me give you a short intro of who she is. Narcissist Survivor is not only a narcissistic abuse recovery coach, she is also a survivor of narcissistic abuse. She has studied extensively on the subject of narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, narcissism, domestic violence, the cycle of abuse, the effects of abuse on children, and family patterns of abuse. Narcissist Survivor has made it her mission to help those who find themselves in dysfunctional situationships, as she likes to say. She likes to help people recognize and break free from the abuse. Hello, Narcissist Survivor. Hello. So glad to have you on today, and I'm so glad that we got this little kink figured out. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I know you and I have had um, a couple of private conversations, but I'm looking forward to hearing more about your story, and I know everybody else will as well. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Candace, for um, inviting me and having me on. I really appreciate it. So I know you and I had talked, and our uh, main objective is to bring awareness um, to people that are in some of these relationships uh, that you study. Can you tell us a brief description of how your life events eventually led you to want to become a coach who now makes it your mission to help others? I absolutely can. Um I have experienced just about every level of narcissistic abuse that that you can imagine. Um, I started out, um, you know, my parents were married and um, they got divorced probably when I was about four. And I remember some, you know, some episodes um, looking back now that I would categorize as abusive. My dad would be very uh, short-tempered. He would throw things at my mother and that kind of thing. And uh, I remember one particular episode, um, you know, Sunday breakfast, he was making uh, pancakes and and my mom uh, said something to him and uh, he threw a pack of raisins at her. And after that, we moved out, and, and I was about four years old at the time. And uh, and after that, um, you know, my, my parents did sort of co-parent, I guess you could call it. Um, but it was more um, what, what people today called parental alienation. Um, my father was basically trying to have me take his side at such a young age and sort of turn me against my mother. And this caused a lot of problems in, uh, in my relationship with, with my mother for many, many, many years. It was, uh, it was very destructive. I mean, gosh, it probably took me 30, 30 years to repair my, my relationship with my mother. And it was, it was devastating. And this is what 
a lot of women write to me about, um, you know, my ex is turning my kids against me. What can I do? You know, they're very confused. They wonder, you know, how how can this be happening? Why is this guy doing these things to me? You know, there there doesn't seem to be a clear answer or rhyme or reason why these guys do these things until you learn more about narcissism and and even even abuse. Not every abuser is a narcissist, of course. Um, so fast forward. Um, Fast forward to my own relationship, and I basically, as many girls do, married uh, somebody just like my own father, um, only I didn't recognize it at the time. And, um, you know, looking back, the, the red flags were all there, but, you know, as we talk more about narcissism today, um, you know, there's, there's, there's things that are designed to have us blow by the red flags, like love bombing and... Right you know, mirroring, they mirror everything that you want, they they listen to you, they seem to be really into you, but what, what they're really doing is gathering information that they can use to basically trap you and, and use you for, for a period of time until, you know, it, it doesn't suit them anymore. Um, so I had, uh, I had a couple of uh, daughters with, with my abuser. Um, by the time I got to my second daughter, I knew I didn't want to be with him anymore. Um, but then there's a little trick they use called reproductive coercion, which is not using birth control, um, not wanting to use birth control, not using protection, um, trying to get you pregnant, uh, which is basically what happened. And uh, he was he was very happy that I got pregnant, only I didn't realize um you know, at the time, why it was because, um, I mean, if you have more than one child, let's be honest, it's harder to leave your abuser. Um, and the more right. children you have, the less likely it is that you're going to leave. So, um, so I, I got myself trapped for another good decade after that and, uh, was finally able to break free. And we're just now going through the court process and, and that's a whole other, thing that we can talk about the financial abuse um he ruined me financially he put me in bankruptcy uh the whole nine yards so my my actual court date is is coming up in february and uh i did get myself a really good lawyer she's absolutely fantastic she deals with narcissistic personality disorder a lot in her practice which is why i chose her and we're we're moving forward that way so that's basically the story of my life how i came to to do what I do now. How long have you been divorced from your abuser? Um we like I said we're just going through the process now. Um we um uh, we've been apart for about 5 years now. Um physically he moved out about 5 years ago and it took a little bit of um it took a little bit of what are the right words? Um, getting over, it, it was sort of a getting over period because I, when you're so in it, um, even though he moves out and, and my particular guy, as, as many of these guys do, um, he was seeing other women, um, one in particular mm-hmm. that he oh, was yeah. throwing in my face, right? And sometimes we become the other woman too in these triangles. You start out as the main 
um, the main source of supply and um, we end up being the other woman or the mistress. It, the, the script gets really flipped, which is what happened to me. And, um, and I mean, she knew about me and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's what we are told. It's what we want to believe as women. This guy is my soulmate. Um, you know, yada, 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 the whole, the whole enchilada. And, uh, it took about a year. Yeah. It took about a year, a, a year to really break free from him. And, and I've been literally no contact with him for almost two years and my kids this last year have chosen themselves to go no contact for about, it'll be a year, yeah, this Christmas. They haven't seen him or, or spoken to him. Um, he doesn't call them. Um, he's just living his uh, living his life. Well, we had talked um, briefly. I have been in a relationship with um, both an abuser and a narcissist and um wow. You know, now when I look back on it, you know, when I was talking with my mom, she would say the guy that I dated, even though he was an abuser, she didn't think he was narcissistic. But when you just brought up that part where they would go and date other women, and excuse my language, but I'm going to say exactly what he used to tell me. But he would look at me in the eyes and tell me, I'm going to hate fuck those girls so that, you know, you know I'm out there doing that in front of you and and knowing that I'm doing that. And I just thought... That is not just abuse. That is narcissism 101. Like he, yeah. I mean, can you explain to me and to our listeners and to our community what the difference is between narcissism and then maybe an abuser and then a narcissistic abuser? Is there a difference? You, it's funny because it's it's really from what I have um, read and researched myself, which is three plus years, going on four years um, of studying narcissism and, and domestic abuse and violence. Um, abusers and narcissists basically use the same playbook, but we use different words. So, I mean, if if people are listening, um, you know, by all means, get out a pen and a piece of paper and start writing things down that you that kind of resonate with you and that that you can look up later when the show is over. Things like the cycle of abuse, I'm sure we've all heard of this and if we haven't, like I said, look it up. The cycle of abuse is basically uh something that we that we're all trapped in. That's that's what keeps us trapped and keeps us going back again and again and again. And it starts with the honeymoon phase. You know, obviously everything's great. Um, you know, he he loves us. He's bringing us flowers, taking us out for dinner. Mine used to take us on trips once in a while when he felt like it. Um, and then there's a you know an okay period, and then you know that feeling when that day comes and you just have that feeling like something is off, and you just mm-hmm. don't quite know what it is can't really put your finger on it and that's called the tension building phase because you know what's coming your body is telling you that it's it's he's working up to a build-up and that's what it is it's it's the build-up and then there is of course the explosion and the explosion can look all kind of ways depending on what what type of guy you're with it can be i mean it can be anywhere from from homicide, let's be honest, to to mm-hmm. all the way down to screaming and yelling. 
Um, and then there is a period of silence, which can also look different ways. It can be, um, you know, he can show remorse or it can go all the way to he's just ghosting you. And then it goes back to the honeymoon. And it this repeats over and over and over again. And because we've been so worn down from, you know, explosion, silent treatment, tension building, when he comes back with flowers and says, oh, honey, you know, I'm really sorry. I, you know, I didn't mean it. I've been really stressed out at work or, you know, the kids are driving me crazy or whatever excuse he gives us. As human beings, we want to believe that. We want to believe other people. We want them to be sorry. We want to we want to repair relationships. But with a narcissist, they're not trying to repair a, a, a relationship. They're just trying to... They're just trying to fool us so so they can go through all these emotional cycles again because with a narcissist, this is the important difference probably, um, a narcissist feeds off our pain and misery. They don't feed off our happiness. They feed off our misery knowing that we are hurting. For example, your guy with him telling you, you know, I'm going to hate fuck these girls, he knows that's going to devastate you. And that's what's called supply, and that's what they're after. Maximum, it, it's almost like they want to crush everything that's yes. good about us, crush our self-esteem, um, just literally just crush us. Yeah, and that was you know, um, wh- something that I wanted to ask, how do narcissists pick their prey? Because I am a confident person. I've always been confident. I was a happy kid. You know, I went through some mm-hmm. some times in my teenage years and, you know, early 20s. But um, I would have never thought in a million years that I would be abused or go out or fall in love with a narcissist. I was emotionally abused. I was, it got physical towards the end, you know, like just that one thing that I just told you that he told me, he would tell me so many things that would just break me. I mean, it broke me. I was in love with this man. I would have done anything for this man. How, how do they get control over you? How do they know who will fall victim to their ways? This is these questions you're asking are so great because there's there's so much information and there is a way to understand all of this. Why certain people it's it's really not they don't they narcissists are predators. Let's let's get that straight and they prey on there's there's different levels of of targets that they look for. So there's something called a high-level target, which would be somebody like you, for example, somebody that comes from a good family, um, a decent, kind human being, um, or it can be somebody who is very physically attractive, um, that looks good with the narcissist going out in public. It can be um, they target uh, married women. Because those those are high level targets. They they do something for the narcissist, whether um, it's outward appearances or or some other thing. Um, the 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 other kind of target is is the ones that are 
kind of easy to trap. So think of it as, um, okay, so the narcissist is a lion and he's running across the, um, you know, he's running across looking for something to eat for dinner. So he sees this pack of gazelles. The gazelles start running and wow, there's one lagging behind, a nice juicy one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to grab that one because it's easy to trap and eat. So that's the other, that's the other type. Um, The girls who are, the girls who are broken and emotionally vulnerable themselves, who are needy, who are looking for love, who haven't had that type of um, foundation and love from their family, um, they often come from broken families. They often have narcissistic fathers who have treated them poorly or abused them or neglected them or abandoned them. And that's a whole different target. Those are the ones that seems to be the difference. Um, the girls who haven't done the work on themselves or maybe don't even understand yet that they need to do that work are the ones that end up being trapped for the longest. They seem to be right. the ones. Do you know what I'm saying? They they extricate themselves sooner because they are used to that from their childhoods. Now, you, on the other hand, right. even though you had these experiences, you did come from a good family. You did have values and morals, etc. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, you escaped relatively unscathed. You have your radio career. You only have one child. And you have been able to put your life back together, maybe not exactly the way it was before, but in some kind of way that is satisfying for you. This person that I'm speaking of was the guy, the the, the man that I fell head over heels in love with. Um, mm-hmm. We were together for four years, and that was when I was single with no kid. Um, and after I left him, I ended up meeting my child's father, and yep. we were together for four years. And when I decided I didn't want to go through with the relationship, he walked out of his daughter's life. Um Yes, you know, that is another form of narcissism. A, a normal person doesn't walk out of their kid's life. Um, That's correct. Along with a lot of other, you know, behaviors that he had that I was blinded by. But see, that I was in a, I was for eight years straight, I just wasn't thinking right. And quite honestly, I've been single for the last six years because I chose so poorly those two men and I and I got my beautiful daughter out of it, and I learned a lot, and I love that I'm like you. I can give back, and I can help others. But mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. just thought I need to take a break. I, I'm, I, I need to take a break, and I need to work on myself, and I need to figure out why am I choosing these men. I, I've got to do better for my kid. I've got to do better for me. And so, yeah, absolutely. And as I said in the beginning, I mean, my story is basically the same as yours. It, on, uh, they often, when they have kids, they're not looking to be parents. They're not looking to be dads. They're they're looking for something else that we don't quite understand, which is to trap us. You know, they, when we have kids with, with abusers and narcissists, guess what? They know where we are all the time. Mm-hmm. We're either at home yeah. looking after the kids or we're doing something to do with the kids. We're not out trying to, um, you know, get our lives together or leave, or sometimes we can't even work depending on how many kids or, or supportive persons we have around us. So, 
you know, they they have a different idea on on what having a child with us means, and it usually doesn't have anything with anything to do with um, you know being a parent and wanting to put something good out into the world. So, I mean, your question was, why do we keep choosing these guys? I mean, it it really just comes back to sometimes it's just bad luck. Um, and and that's kind of harsh, but your relationships, yeah. you know, it, it, it really does go back to, like, none of us get out of here scot-free. We all have relationships. We all get hurt. Not everybody is abusive or, you know, we do have bad experiences. We date people. We break up. That's just life. Honestly, you know, four and four years, that's really not too bad in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's it seems like a, a long time now, but as you said, you learned a lot. You learned about yourself. You learned that you needed to work on your own self before jumping into another relationship. And that's not to say that your next relationship, I mean, that, that's not to say that you're not going to run into a narcissist again, because let's be honest, there's a lot of them out there. But what's going to happen is because of all the things that you've learned since then, you're going to recognize it, and you're going to be able to walk I'm away. See all you're the not flags. going to be fooled. <laughs> you you are right, and and like a lot of a lot of us are so afraid to, with good reason, to to date again or do anything like that, um, because yeah, it can happen again. You can run into another narcissist, but if you're going to do the work on yourself, you're going to see it this time. You don't have to be afraid. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do date, you know, and I date completely different now. So taking that time off has been a really good thing. I think it's good for um, most people who who just get out of a regular regular relationship to take some time yeah. off for themselves. Much absolutely, a, you know, narcissistic or an abusive relationship for sure. But I, you know, absolutely. I got lucky. I guess you could say, which is kind of weird, um, that. My my kid's father chose to leave, and, um, you know, he also had his manipulative ways and narcissistic traits, and um, I say that I got lucky. So you're dealing with going through this um, and co-parenting with a narcissist. Can you explain? We have to I talk mean, about that because that doesn't exist. How does that work? <clears throat> That's one one of the mistakes that I made um early on is allowing um allowing him to be in my daughter's lives to the extent that he was. I mean, it wasn't anything great, don't get me wrong. He would show up late, um, you know, he would make me late for work when he had to watch the kids, which was not he, trust me, he didn't watch them very often. Um, you know, he would see them for like three hours on a on a Sunday kind of thing, and they would come home, you know, one of them would be crying, and they'd be all upset, and I'd think, you know, what the heck is going on? Um, you know, and they would tell me, you know, dad yells at me, and this and that, and I mean, you you really sometimes don't have a have a grasp on the extent of um, you know what is happening. You don't know what's going on with your kids when they're not with you, when they're with when they're with somebody that's you know, you think, wow, this is their dad. They're, you know, you expect them to be treated well, um, but in the end, that's that's not what happens whatsoever. So, co-parenting with a narcissist um, doesn't exist. Narcissists don't co-parent; they counter-parent. 
So whatever whatever gains and rules and that type of thing that we try to set as the primary parent, a narcissist will try to thwart that in any way possible and send the kids back, you know, let's be honest, a little bit mixed up. What that ends up looking like is kids with emotional and behavioral issues. I think a lot of the, this is, you know, my personal opinion, and, and, and I've actually put it out there on social media. I, I asked the question, you know, how many, how many women are now dealing with kids who are diagnosed with ADHD and, and yeah. you know, ODD and all this and that? You know, what they're finding, and you can, you know, please, like, do your research, go read things, go on Google, inform yourself. These kids who witness abuse at an early age, screaming, yelling, it doesn't have to be, you know, dad's beating mom up, although it can go right. to that level. But, but kids who witness abuse of any kind in the home, and, and what same as your daughter is experiencing, neglect is abuse. A parent who neglects their child, that is abuse. These kids end up with, with trauma. Child abuse, children who witness violence, Domestic violence and war are the main causes of complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. So wow. not only have we yeah. been traumatized ourselves, but our kids are traumatized. And when our kids are traumatized, they go forward in life repeating the patterns that they saw their parents do, which is us. So the question is, you know, and I know a lot of people are going to have this question. If you are trying to get divorced or are divorced from a narcissist, how do you how do you not let them see the kids if the courts say they can? Um, the court system seems to be very different depending on what state you are in. There doesn't seem to be sort of a general you know, a general guideline. I know that some women have said, you know, I moved to this particular state because it's, you know, better for moms and that kind of thing. You kind of have to do your own research around that depending on on where you actually live. But what I tell everybody, uh, like everybody write this down, document everything. Get a journal, a notebook, put today's date on it, start writing everything down and by everything I mean every every argument every nasty thing he calls you in front of your kids every issue and problem every missed child support payment every time he does not pick your kids up like he's supposed to or doesn't drop them off on time or whatever that looks like for you document it write it all down this is the one thing that's going to help you in court like nothing else. This journal becomes a legal document that you can use in court to show a pattern of behavior that you have written down and that you can use to hopefully try to gain sole custody and access to your kids. Or at least, at the very yeah, least supervised visitation or or something that's not going to give this abuser unlimited access to your children. 
are you allowed to do any kind of like putting up a video or a camera or anything like that if you think anything is going on that's inappropriate? Um, I mean, are you allowed to? I don't know. I don't know if you're allowed to or not. That's another thing. That's another legal type of thing. But honestly, nanny cams, why not? Mm-hmm. If you have a nanny cam right. in your house, have have that puppy turned on when he, you know, comes over. I mean, I I don't know if you can end up getting yourself in trouble over that, but honestly, women, we as women, we will do whatever it takes to protect our kids. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you know, 100%. even if it's not, you, you know what I'm saying? Like I would do it, but I can't speak yeah. for anybody else. But but do, take right. whatever take whatever reasonable steps you can to protect your kids. I mean, you can hire a private detective. You can do whatever you want. There are many many things that you can do to protect yourself and your kids for sure. Just Google the legal sort of um, requirements in your area as to you know videotaping people or even audio. I I think that's kind of another. I think you have to tell people that you're you're audio taping them, but you know whatever it takes, find out for yourself and and do that and protect your kids, protect your kids, protect your kids. Absolutely, that's such good information. And I know you keep uh, we are talking about our exes who happen to be men, um, but what what about what about women? Are there women narcissists? Are there women abusers? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are absolutely women abusers, and I I get that on my uh, Instagram page quite a bit. You know, um, well, it can be women too and blah, blah, blah. It it can be women too, and narcissistic mothers, especially narcissistic mothers with with sons, um, Mm. they they put out something really, really not great into the world. Um, my ex's mother um, was definitely a narcissist and she put a broken man into the world. And this is what happens. I don't know what the percentage is, but there are, according to statistics, more narcissistic men than women. Now, that's kind of interesting because women are, you know, women are supposed to be more empathetic and, and, you know, and that kind of thing, you know, we're, we're more caretaking and whatnot. Part of that is probably, you know, societal conditioning over time. I think all things being equal, I think both sexes can be just as nurturing. It's just not that way right now. But yeah, narcissistic women can do a lot of damage to their children. I've heard a lot of stories about uh, women who keep their kids away from, from, you know, the, the loving dad uh, the dad who's trying mm-hmm. to see the kids and they're making him jump through hoops in the court system and everything else and, and absolutely, you know, quote unquote gold diggers and, and this and that and the other thing. And they're, and they're just looking for one thing also. And, you know, you really, all I can say is you really can't blow by those red flags. You have to you have to look at yourself, your past, your family, where you came from and why you are, why you are, being attracted to or attracting these type of predators, whether they're, they be male or female into your life. And, and that being said, you know, this, this includes, you know, same sex relationships. Also, there can be the same type and level 
in in any kind of relationship that you're in. That's really interesting that you say that. And it's sad, too. It's really sad that there are men and women out there that treat their kids so horribly. And I know there's there's not really much you can do about it, that, that we can do about it. Um, and it's just, it's really heartbreaking, you know, when you, when you hear it is about heartbreaking. that kind of story. Yeah. An interesting thing about narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, they all seem to have something in common, and that is, this might blow your mind a little bit, um, a lot of these men, the kind of men that you were talking about, high-level narcissists, low-level empathy, uh, a lot of them come from mothers who were in abusive relationships or who were abused during pregnancy. Doesn't that, that like, that's like spooky. So this is why it is so important. I mean, if you're pregnant and you are having that level of stress from your so-called partner, you need, if you cannot leave for yourself, leave for your child because having that level of stress or abuse or physical abuse during pregnancy affects your baby for life. And you might, in fact... You know, not because you're a bad person, but you're involved in a bad situation. You're really affecting more than just yourself. Yeah, I was very stressed out during my pregnancy. But um, I remember going to the doctor and talking to the woman doctor. And I told her, you know, I was with my ex. And I told her I was extremely stressed and I was worried for the baby. And, you know, the doctor told me, oh, no, the baby's fine, the baby's fine. And she had no idea, like, what she was talking about, nothing, none no, of it. No, she didn't. And I remember calling calling my mom, and I was like, do you know what she told me? She told me that the, she told me the baby was fine, and my mom was just livid. You know, she was upset. She knew yeah, exactly what I was going through because we talked to our yeah. moms. You know, we talked to, we talked yeah. to our, our dads if we're close to them. But so. Well, and it's funny because, yeah. let me ask you, did you have postpartum after she was born? Like postpartum depression? Um, I was depressed, but I just assumed that was because that was I wasn't living close to my family. No, see, I had mm-hmm. been I had been moved away and I isolated. Was, he you know, isolated you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Common, and so common. I thought I thought I just missed my family, but but now that I think about it, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does, and and you know a lot of us. Um, struggle under this you know there's still a stigma for some strange reason about postpartum depression but most women who are in a loving supportive relationship with family close by do not suffer from the same level of postpartum depression that women who have been isolated like we were um, or who don't have outside support friends family that kind of thing they they suffer postpartum at 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 a hugely disproportional rate as you can as you can see why and women who are abused i mean what are the s- statistics on that you know um your partner's abusing you here you are with a new baby the baby is screaming he's enraged by this you know um and and the whole cycle just you know, you're just trying to keep a lid on the pot that's just ready to boil over at any moment. There's, there's, there's nothing about it that's that's for you. Nobody's taking care of you. Nobody is making sure you're all right. You're expected to to jump up 
off the delivery room table and start, you know, cooking and and cleaning the house right away. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? You know? Yeah, and that's that's also a good point right there is that isolation, um, it happened in my first relationship. The, uh, The abuse didn't really start until we had moved away to another city. And I was Bingo. away from my, you know, my friends. And that's when I was, you know, I was, that was who, that was me. I was confident. I was, you know, a candy, you know, I lived in Miami. Yep. I, I, I had the world at my fingertips. Um, and when we moved away, that's when it started. And then when I look back on my other relationship, my second four-year relationship, um, that's pretty much, that's, I think how it also started too was, was isolating and and taking me away from my environment. And so um, I'd like for you to also, you know, point out some things like what are their tactics, you know, besides isolating, how else can we spot them? How can we know if we're in a relationship with them? How can we know if we're dating them? What kind of red flags can we look for? This stuff this stuff is all out there and like I said I I always encourage people to start educating themselves about domestic violence. If you even just start there, there are um there's a little um meme that goes around the internet every once in a while in October which is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month know the 8 before it's too late um one one of the big ones is uh is isolation they do isolate you from your friends and family for a reason because that way you have nobody to turn to but them right. another tactic is that they control what you wear I don't know if you experienced that, but, you know, they'll say things like, you know, you'll you'll be going out, say, to meet your girlfriends or something, and you'll be just, you'll feel great, right? And you'll come in the mm-hmm. living room, and he'll take a look at you and give you that look, and he'll say, oh, you're not wearing that, are you? And you'll be crushed. And sometimes yeah, maybe you're right. going to be so crushed that you don't actually end up going out with your friends, which, hey, bingo, another bonus, that was a red flag for a red flag that I completely ignored was when my when my business started taking off, you know. Um, that's when I think it got the worst. And I just remember I would make I would make really you know, I was making really good money and I would spend yep. a ton of money on us, you know, because I was making more money than him at the time and I just thought to myself, like, why would he have why like when you think about it, you don't you don't understand it. You're like, I love this man. I would do anything yes. for this man. I do anything for this man. This man is my best friend. It, maybe yep. it won't happen again. Maybe, maybe you know, I feel bad. Maybe it's it's his his upbringing. And you start to think maybe it's you know it's his family, not him. But it's exactly. not. It's actually him because when I look back on it, he was threatened and therefore he was trying to he was trying to make me insecure. Exactly. And and minimize your Uh, accomplishments, you know, making you think, well, maybe you're not doing as great as you think you are. And another thing I know for a lot of people listening, um, he would throw up my past. Anything he could find out that I felt bad about, because like, let's face it, when we're younger, we do things that maybe we wish we hadn't done. But when he found out some of those things that he knew made me feel bad you know about myself 
he would constantly throw it in my face, and I would just apologize all over myself. Now, I'm like, hey, man, that's my past. Uh, if you don't like it, you can keep going. <laughs> you know, like, that is such an important point, Candice. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is something I'm so glad you brought up because um, in the beginning when, when we first started the show today, I mentioned that, you know, they they really listen to you. They listen intently. They're so into you. They mirror everything about you. They They listen to, they hang on every word you say. And they do this for a reason, for the reason that you just said. In a normal relationship, when you're building trust with somebody, this is a normal thing to tell people the things that happened to you in your past that, you know, have hurt you or whatever, because that that's part of you. Those things happen to you. That's part of your story. And being able to trust other people is a sign of, you know, that that we are actually emotionally healthy. But if you look back, I bet you're going to discover that, you know, you did most of the talking and he did most of the listening and he was doing that so he could put all those things in his memory bank and literally use them against you later, just like you said. There was no two-way. And, and if there was yeah. a two-way, I'll say something else about that. Usually what these guys do is it seems like the same thing we're doing at the time, like we're sharing with somebody from our heart, right? We're sharing hard things that happen to us. And they will throw out some kind of story like, you know, I was molested as a child or my dad used to beat me or some heart-wrenching story that somehow we take on board and allow that story to make it okay for them to treat us like shit. 99% of the women that I talk to say, oh, you know, he and, and my ex included, I, I know all about his past. Granted, horrible things did happen to him in his past, horrible things. Um, as I said, he had a narcissistic mother. But the difference is, you know, all things being equal, horrible things have happened to a lot of people, and, and most people don't take that hurt and go on to abuse other people. That's the difference. Yes. Just because you have yeah, been and abused. Yeah, it's not okay. And it's mm-hmm. not okay, and, and for you to take your hurt out into the world and start hurting other people is, is sort of a different thing. I think most of us tend to get a little self-destructive, um, you know, we drink too much, we shop too much, we eat too much, we're mm-hmm. eating crappy food. You know, that's how we kind of self-medicate our hurt. That's what most people do. The ones that take their hurt and, and hurt others, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, um, that's possibly a reason why I've been single for so long, because in both of my relationships, my my um, total of eight years, <laughs> uh, both yeah. of them use... a long time my what I had told them against me what what during it and when we were breaking up and back then I I you know I it still hurt it hurt because they're using what you've told them you know against you but it's betrayal they've betrayed your trust yeah I think in almost a way it's it's, you know you've got to sort of be careful about 
who you're telling what, which is really sad. Absolutely. Um, but I've, I've worked on my vulnerability because in order to fall in love again, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to open up, and it's not easy. It's not easy when you've been crushed, you know, no, it's not. once, twice, however many times, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you would give any advice of how to move on. I know for me, um, my faith was a big thing, um, mm-hmm. and taking mm-hmm. time off of dating, you know. Absolutely. I'm to you. And I love talking are, to you. <laughs> I like talking to you, too. You're awesome. Um, you know, everybody's healing looks different, but what I will say, I mean, the things you don't do, you don't date right after. You don't jump from one relationship to the next. You don't um, drown your sorrows in alcohol. You don't go rack up your credit card. Unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, say, oh, my God, this is so hard, you know, and they just want to avoid, They, they people want to avoid feeling pain. That's also a normal human human thing. They want to avoid dealing with it, looking at it, um, accepting it. You're going to have to feel it to heal it. I mean, I after all this went down with my ex moving out and me being triangulated in that other relationship, I'm no word of a lie, Candace. I cried for two months straight. I could not stop crying. My kids would look yeah. at me like, Mom, what's wrong? I literally told them, kids, I'm really sorry. See, I'm like getting emotional now. I told them um, yeah. somebody has died. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. I the the old me died and I had to I had to feel that in order to move past it. And and in doing that you honor yourself. When you when you don't feel that deep pain, it's the pain is almost like a wake up call telling you, you know, you do still have feelings. You have deep feelings. You're a good person. This stuff hurt you. Other things have hurt you in your life. And it's and it's almost like you can use that opportunity to to heal your life. And then yeah, if you if you have a strong uh faith base, you know, you can you can go to church. You can if you're spiritual, you can meditate, you can go do yoga. You can start um, putting, connecting the dots of your past, your parents. You can start looking at your own patterns of behavior. Why am I doing this? Why am I so needy? Why do I feel so desperate for love? Why do I feel like I need a guy in my life all the time? Otherwise, I'm not a whole person. You have to start answering your own questions. And, and in doing that, you become a better, stronger person. And let me tell you, it's brutal. Doing that kind of work, yeah. it's no joke. But once you've done it, you're done. And you, you, you level up. You come out of that a changed person, a better person, a more calm and stable person that can actually go out and function in the world and handle these type of people that come at us. I agree with you 100%. I ended up having to move back home with my parents, you know, no yep. money, no car, no support, no, no, barely any of my belongings, hardly any of yep. that. And I just remember yep. sleeping for probably two months because I sleep. 
um, yes, when I'm depressed, but I, you know, had my mom there to help take care of my kid. Luckily, she was just a little over one, so she didn't know. I remember I did cry, you know. I was angry. I was just angry. I was really angry, yes. and I was scared, yes. and I didn't know where what was going to happen to my life. How was I going to support my kid at this at this point? My business, I had nothing, and it was a very scary angry, trying time. And I just remember after about two months of sleeping and crying, I I got up one day and I said, that's it. No more. I'm done. I'm going to take control of my life. And and I think this would be a really good um, topic for us to continue on another show since we're ending this, uh, this, this show because I think it would be important to talk to people about how do you leave, how to take precautions when you leave, some things that's important because leaving, yes, leaving can be deadly. And and not to scare people off from leaving because I know. No, but you have to have a plan. If you have a plan, you can leave, Candice. But you have to, it's called an exit plan. And if your if your guy is really scary, you need to make an exit plan, and and you can do it. You can get out. Well, I think this we will talk. Um, we will do this up this episode on the next one. Um, so definitely for you for those of you who have tuned in today, you want to tune in with us next time, and we aren't going to keep you waiting forever because this is an important <laughs> topic. So (laughs) we are going to get together and make this happen sooner rather than later. But um, thank you so much, Narcissus Survivor, for being on today. And um, thanks for having me. For those of you who are listening, you can follow her on Instagram at Narcissist underscore Survivor, where she has close to 60,000 followers. Um, Or if you want to go ahead and get in touch with her, email her at NarcissistSurvivor2 at gmail.com. You can check this out on uh, Blog Talk Radio with the information that's on there, as well as we will be posting it onto our social media platforms. Once again, thanks for tuning in to the Single Parenting Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications for upcoming shows, as well as join us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.